your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. I don't know why I do that. Brad Paff sitting in here with me. He is a Wisconsin State Senator in District 32. 32. I'm getting Good it. afternoon, I'm almost Rick. remembering every time now. Uh, yours are easier than Doyle and Billings because right. they've got like 100 districts. and That's right. They're yep. obscure numbers. 32. 32. Magic, Magic Johnson. Yep. You could just do it like Magic that. Magic Johnson. There we go. Um, first, okay, so I got a couple of things. But first of all, like what went down in Madison today is budget joint finance committee stuff and that's why you're not there voting on things is that right yeah so what happened is this is that every two years wisconsin has a biennial budget a two-year budget the governor proposed in february uh his suggestions his proposal for this two-year budget what uh, took place today is the 16 members of the joint finance committee made up of eight members in the assembly and eight members in the uh, senate uh, they removed over 500 items uh, from the governor's uh, uh, proposed budget. And um, what's what's never quite in there? If they remove 500, but well, how many were there? Oh, there there are an awful lot. I mean, now, if there were 10 million, then 500 wouldn't be a lot. Yeah, it wouldn't right? be a lot. There's not 10 million, but yes, there. So what happens is is that the governor did propose a, a budget, and uh, he, there was many, many, many items in there. Uh, and again, five over five hundred have been uh, removed. Some of these do hit close to home. Yeah, and we'll, that is, we'll we'll break it down yep. in a little. I just wanted to get. I just yep. wanted to make sure. I'm like, because part of this is like you're not in Madison voting on this. Why? And but you're not part yeah, of the I'm joint not part of that committee. committee. I would love to be part but, of that. But committee. the other the other the other thing would be too is like if it was the assembly voting or the senate voting, uh, Republicans control those with huge right. minorities or majorities. Even if you were there. Your vote against it or vote for it, would it even matter? I mean, sometimes do you even need to be in Madison to do anything except, like, I don't like this? Yeah, well, the thing is, we, there is super majorities, at least in the state Senate, there's a super majority. But uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't work to be done. And, uh, uh, and again, that super majority was built uh, off the back of uh, gerrymandered districts, and that's unfortunate. And uh, let's hope we can move away from that. And the other thing that happened in Madison today, too, is, is it kind of we've unveiled a plan to fund local governments. The Republicans have done this, too. Yeah. And this is... This isn't Joint Finance Committee, right? Or is this also? Uh, no, this is not. Uh, this is not. However, in order for it to move forward, it does need to go through our Joint Finance Committee. Oh, it does. Okay. It does. Um, it's, this- it's, 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 it's a proposal that is worth discussing. I mean, there are, there's an awful lot of uh, devils in the details when it comes to this. and There's an awful lot of strings attached. Yeah, uh, Mayor Mitch Reynolds has come on the show at least the last two months. So he comes on uh, Monday mm-hmm. before the city council meeting. So he'll be next week monday um and and just kind of not yelled and screamed but sort of that hey they need to change the the blueprint here Mm -hmm. on how local governments are getting funded he's Mm -hmm. done this for two months and now at least we have a plan from republicans because we have a plan proposed a plan for that two months ago he did yeah that was part of the state budget request and uh or his proposal which he was going to take one penny out of the state's five cent sales tax and put it into additional what we call shared revenue. This is money that comes from the state uh, income tax and sales tax, and uh, would be sent back to the local units of government in order for the local units of government to do such things as uh, uh, police and fire, uh, to plow snow, to pick up garbage, uh, just to keep our community safe. 
uh, just the basic work of a of a local unit of government. Yeah, and the 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 threats there were police, fire, librarians. Not like right. maybe maybe not librarians per se, but library staff, stuff That's like right. that could get could get uh, you know severely uh, cut back. Um, all right, so those are the two big things I think we need to talk about too. On top of the the train derailment, you were down there last Friday. Last Friday, unfortunately, last Thursday we uh, saw that uh, the the BNSF Burlington Northern Santa Fe had a train derailment in uh, Northern Crawford County, uh, just outside of Desoto. That's your district. Too? It is. The, the, yep. That's that's what people don't may not understand about Senate districts. They're yeah. huge. It's about eighty eight miles north to south. Uh, the Senate district is, and yes, uh, every mile north to south uh, has as a uh, uh, rail, and uh, we have to watch this very closely. So, the, and the irony here is, you were here two months ago, I think, and we—I just brought it up—the the East Palestine right Ohio tra- train derailment, which was very like cinematic. Like uh, when you see they they blew stuff up because they didn't want the whatever was going to happen right. if they didn't blow up the the train, which is just seems crazy to me. Um, so it was it was just like you know what you could see, um, but. But this, but what we see on Crawford County, not quite as cin- cinematic, but oh, no. also, you know, pretty, pretty amazing sight to see. And like, why did it happen? And we might get answers from that tomorrow. Did you get any answers? I haven't got any answers. And the thing is, I'm looking for the answers. What I can say is this: I am uh, very proud of our local emergency management teams in Crawford County as well as in Vernon County for the work they've done. I'm also very proud of the people that live in the uh, uh, village of DeSoto and in the v- vicinity uh, that uh, where this took place. But we deserve answers. The thing is, I think we all recognize that there was very high water, and we all rec- recognize that the rail line runs along uh, the Mississippi River. So we do we do deserve answers. Um, we hope to have Highway 35. I've been told is going to be opened up uh, for two way traffic tomorrow. Hopefully. So that's good. Hopefully. Um, but we deserve answers, and I'm waiting to hear that. Uh, Federal Railroad Commission takes the lead uh, when it comes to this oversight and this uh, uh, responsibility. But uh, I appreciate the, the communications we've had, I've had with BNSF, but we need more. Uh, we need more information on what's going on and uh, why, uh, again, they were moving freight on a given day like that, knowing that, uh, you know, water is very high. Yeah, there was yeah. no secret that we were flooding. Right, like every no bar- secret. Every, Everybody was saying every it. Every news story. So while I was on vacation last week, every every time I opened social media, it was a different picture of lacrosse exactly. or Prairie du Chien flooding. Um, and I bring up again, like two months ago, we talked about this, and you had said, I'm talking to this entity, that entity, another entity to try to get answers about how we're doing, and then here we go. Two and here we later, go. We have a train I mean, for so the big things here is to recognize is the fed, federal government takes the lead when it comes to this oversight. However, the state of Wisconsin has an important responsibility, and that starts with uh, obviously with our railroad commissioner. And I've spoken with the railroad commissioner's office, and I will continue with our state department of transportation, our state department of natural resources, as well as our. Um, you know, uh, emergency management uh, in the state of Wisconsin. And so all that coordination uh, needs to take place. It needs to be timely. It needs to be uh, – any people need to recognize the s- severity of the situation. And I am proud to say uh, within hours after uh, the train derailment, the uh, state secretary of transportation as well as the state railroad commissioner were on site uh, in Crawford County uh, reviewing the situation. I was proud to uh, have the go- host the governor uh, here on on Friday around noon uh, in Crawford County. He could see uh, firsthand what's happening. 
uh, there. And we're going to continue uh, to communicate very clearly uh, with uh, BNSF. Uh, obviously, we recognize the fact we need to continue to move our freight. We need to continue to uh, move supplies uh, to the marketplace. But we also need to be cognizant of the fact that there's an awful lot of people uh, that live in this district uh, that live along that rail line. And we got to make sure that uh, they feel uh, that they're being communicated with and they feel safe. That's Wisconsin State Senator Brad Pappy. He's going to stick around this hour. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Somebody's waiting on hold. We'll get to you in a minute. Um, but, yeah, I, I do have one other thing I want to oh. ask you about, Brad, but I'm going to make it a surprise coming no back worries. from the break. Jim Harbaugh's favorite song right here. I'll tell you, Gordon Lightfoot, Rest in Peace. It's quite a song. Not a banger here, though. We're not. Uh, this is going to bring us down a little bit. Yeah, it tells a story, though. It tells a story of hardworking men out there. But uh, yeah, Gordon Carrying Lightfoot. Iron the, I don't know a whole lot about Gordon Lightfoot, but apparently he passed away. Yesterday. Yep, yesterday. Uh, all right, so tickle in my throat today. Um, all right, Brad Pass sitting in here with us. He's Wisconsin State Senator in District Thirty Two. Talking about Wisconsin stuff happening in Madison with the budget, stuff happening in Madison with funding municipalities, which was originally, was that supposed to be part of the budget? Yeah, and it will be part of the budget. Oh, it will be. It eventually will. I mean, it sounds like they were going to make that a separate bill. They're, they're going to make it part of a separate bill, but yet the funding's got to come through the budget. Um, so they're trying to do two separate things. So they're going to take a couple different votes. They're going to make us take a couple different votes. It's just okay. a legislative procedure well, and, type thing. And you know, quite frankly, lot, gamesmanship. A lot of times when we talk about this stuff, especially at the the U.S. House omnibus bills that are, right. you know, Ron Johnson will be mad about it. It's seven thousand pages, and I didn't get to read any of it. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's seven thousand pages of stuff that you've gotten in trickled amounts right. over months and months. You didn't get to read it today. But you you should have been reading There's, it yeah. ongoing. But then you know the other part is like okay, but the, you could separate all these things in the budget and pass them one at they a time. Could be that's if you know we could pass legal. We could vote on legalized marijuana right now, right? And we like, should instead of axing it out of the budget, let's vote on it. And we and we yes we should. But, but we're not going to do that. But we're not going to do that. that out of the budget. It's been so stripped. It's, yeah. um, is that weird? Like the because in Minnesota. We're, we're going to legalize it. We have Democrats yeah. in control of the government there. Michigan's already done it. The entire done country it. of Canada has done it. Right. Illinois has done it. And Iowa has medical marijuana. That's so right. at least they have, like, even Iowa's ahead yeah. of Wisconsin there. Right. And then we don't even talk about it? And, no. And I don't know your views. You're a little older than me, so your your views would be more old school if you just go, marijuana's a drug and it's bad and can't have it. And I might have used it a little bit in college, and then I just realized it made me hungry, and then I just ate too much, <laughs> and then fell asleep. So I just quit using it. Uh, but you know, like did it a couple of times, a couple of weekends in college. But now the the whole the whole game has changed, and I don't know. Is it like you you old guys don't have that like you haven't changed with the times thing, or what? What is it about marijuana that every other state around us is good, and yeah. and Wisconsin like? Well, there, there, because before I went on vacation, Brad, it was we were going to talk about medical marijuana, and they asked Assembly Leader Robin Voss, you know, who is proposing this bill to legalize medical marijuana. He's like, "Well, I don't want to give out any names. Like it's so taboo right. in the Republican Party that you can't even give out the names of the Assembly people." So we're gonna we're, we're thinking about it, yeah. but we're not. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm talking. No, about you're okay. I mean, the thing is, this is that this is extremely popular. It has bipartisan support out in the countryside. The thing is, is when it gets to Madison, uh, we can't get anything done. I, I, I support. I support 
legalizing uh, for medical as well as legalizing for recreational. I do believe we need to continue to put uh, state resources in for law enforcement as well as continue to have uh, dollars available for our counseling centers and, um, you know, for education institutions. We need to do all that. But at the same time, we this we need to move forward and legalize. Yeah, you talk to rec- law enforcement now, they're like, yeah, somebody, if we pull someone over and they've got some marijuana, it's you know, yeah. like they don't. We got better things to do. They do. They do. The one thing that I I want to make sure that we do have dollars available for our law enforcement because it is important to make sure that you know it's one thing to drive with OWI and it's another thing if you're driving and you know you're you're high. So we've got to make sure that we right. do have resources available there. And it's I, not like that's not happening now. And when Minnesota right. legalizes it recreationally, it's going to be a situation, especially here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, it. so we, I, I know, right. and we'll see what happens as far as the economy. Uh, now it's legalized in Minnesota and Winona, as well as in La Crescent. We'll learn an awful lot here in the region. Yeah, like we'll see how much money these communities are making. Right. Maybe if you want to go in on me, maybe we open up a <laughs> hemp joint across the river there. Um, all right, so yesterday I want to. I'm setting this up. Mike's waiting on hold. Thanks, Mike. Um, I set this up a little bit. I had three kind of things I wanted. I, I had talked about. We we're proposing a bill to allow 14 year olds to serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. We're also proposing a bill to, I, I guess, have the government regulate social media or have social media regulate do the parenting in social media so that yeah. uh, so your kids' social media turns off at 10 p.m. Instead of you just taking your kid's phone away at 10 p.m., which is what I concluded, but but I'm not a parent. And then also uh, somebody in a lacrosse group here said kids don't play hide and seek anymore. So, Brad, when's the last uh, you have you have kids, right? They're old now. Yeah, yeah, my kids are in college now. But, yes, I have. I played hide and seek as an 18 year old. Oh, yeah. We we go like on the weekends. We we would still play. It was called (laughs) night games, but it was hide and seek. Uh, kids, kids playing high. You have grandkids yet? Do no, they, no, 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 okay. no, not that I know of. Oh, they're in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that I know, but no, the thing is, is that, uh, first of all, let me be clear. I am not into this child labor stuff at all. Um, I don't know where this came from. Yeah, kids uh, can't play hide and seek anymore because they're apparently at the bar working. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, cleaning, serving cleaning alcohol uh, <laughs> to seated customers. Uh, well, the way the legislation's written that uh, these 14 to 17-year-olds can serve alcohol to seated customers, yeah. but not uh, to customers that are situated at the bar. Yeah, so you must be at a, you know, sitting at a restaurant right, table. Yeah, they're not going to be bartending. Let's, let's get Mike in here because Mike had a question about this too. Mike, go ahead. You, wa- you wanted to ask Brad about this? Yeah, Brad, uh, this is Mike from Alaska. Hi, Mike. And what really concerns me is, to, I mean, there's a lot of adults in their 30s that probably aren't growing up enough to, to properly serve alcohol to people. And, and if a 14-year-old serving alcohol to somebody and they overindulge and end up getting in an accident, what's going to protect that 14-year-old from them coming back and suing them? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, that is a fair. I don't think this is a very well thought out piece of legislation, and I do not believe that this is a piece of legislation that, uh, quite frankly, I would be surprised if the restaurant association or the tavern league or others that have uh, that have been advocating, obviously, for, for on behalf of the uh, hospitality industry. I, I have never heard is this them one of speaking those? about this type of legislation. This isn't where you go in order to deal with the workforce shortage. This yeah, is, is this, not where we go. Is this one of those where it's fun to talk about on the radio because it's kind of ridiculous? It would be the only state in the country, only yeah, yeah only the only state, state in the country, in the country. to have kids that young yeah. be able. 
But but really, it would, will it go nowhere in well, the legislature? Well, I mean, we will see on that. Again, the uh, I can't believe the governor would ever sign this into law. Right. So I don't see it becoming law. But that but, shouldn't be our only our only way right. to protect the the citizens. Is like governor has to the veto stuff or not sign stuff. This is this to me doesn't make any sense in at Iowa, all. I don't know if you pay attention to Iowa. They they change child labor over there. Child child labor is, is ridiculous they over have, there they now. Have Kids changed, be, yeah, Arkansas has as well, and it it is something to. Uh, we need to pay close attention uh, to what is happening in states like Arkansas and neighboring Iowa. Do we have a workforce shortage, or do we have a not enough pay shortage? Well, I, I will say this: I think it's a little of both. Uh, there is a workforce shortage, but some of this is demographics as well. We have an aging uh, an aging workforce. Um, so we've got to be aware of that, that there's more people that are, quote, retiring, leaving, than you know, and we're not replacing them with the workers. Um, we need to make sure we can continue to attract uh, uh, younger people to come to this state. And I do think that some of these laws that we have in our state right now, uh, it makes young people look and say, well, do I really want to move to Wisconsin? Are you talking about a 174-year-old law? I'm talking <laughs> about that. I'm talking about that 1849 uh, law. But, you know, the other thing that we do need to uh, – continue to work on is we do need to uh, recognize the fact that uh, we do have a uh, income inequality in this state. I'll just say that where uh, those individuals that make the goods and provide the services, uh, you know, their pay is not keeping up with the pay of the upper echelon. And that's something that we do need to take a look at um, because that continues uh, to grow as far as that income uh, stratification in this state and yeah, i think I saw, we could do better i saw nationally the top one percent you know own what was it no i'm not going to get it right but like the bottom bottom 50 percent of the the nation owns three percent of the wealth that's right something and like the that one percent owns like and that's know. why i came out and i've been very clear on this i support tax reform but i do not believe in a flat tax because the thing is, I do not believe somebody who's making forty thousand dollars a year, uh, you know, wel- welding, uh, should pay the same type of income tax rate as a CEO of a Fortune five hundred corporation. I just don't think that that's right. Man, the flat tax wasn't even on my list of things. Yeah. We haven't, yeah. but, but, but that, that, is that I mean, part of the budget too? No, it's be, not part of the budget. But there is, but there well. is. It was. It's been proposed by the leadership uh, in the legislature. They've reeled that back a little bit, but it's kind of like kind of a flat well, tax. Now. Uh, Any way to get those rich yeah. people less pay the less uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss is less supportive of a flat tax than the uh, Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemonhue. Devin Lemonhue has a bill to just do this, have a flat tax in this state. And the thing is, is that uh, I do believe that uh, uh, middle class people should pay less in the state income tax. They should pay less. And I support a an income tax cut. But a flat tax uh, that would have, you know, uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 uh, corporations paying the same tax rate that you pay, Rick, um, I just don't think that that's well. They uh, they give that, me the money, not so fair. they they have to that trickle down, Brad. There's that. I, trickle I down. understand. If, I, I get if that. If we enrich the CEOs, then they will distribute that money accordingly how they see fit. Well, we need to make sure that they reinvest it in this state and they continue to uh, uh, create as many jobs as they possibly can. That's important. All right, that's State Senator Brad Paff sticking with us this hour. If you want to call or text six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four, we're going to get to. Uh, the tax cut. Governor Tony Evers proposed the tax cut. Republicans killed it out of the budget today. It would have saved you money. We'll get to that in a minute. Well, I'm 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk at text line. State Senator Brad Paff hanging out this hour. Brad, don't leave until I get a picture of you sitting there. No worries. I could listen to Tom Petty all day here. It's good music. Because we, uh, I always do that, and then I have to find some generic picture. No, you pretend to talk. We're going to do a candid photo. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, I'm going to pull this up when you're talking, then you're, right, you're going to feel bad. Um. But I, but a couple of textures. Bob, Bob texted in. So right before we went to break, we're talking about like putting fourteen-year-olds to work in bars, like serving alcohol, not as a bartender. I think that's one of the provisions that they're one of the details. No, they have to have supervision uh, by someone who has a licensed bartender. And it's probably more, it's probably funner to talk about on talk radio than it is actual piece of legislation. That, but I think it's just setting the table for how do we get fourteen-year-olds and and kids of that age into the workforce. As cheap labor to 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 kind of replace you know somebody that's in their thirties that that needs a job and you know like we <laughs> what's the the tagline they're taking our jobs like mm-hmm. immigrants illegal mm-hmm. immigrants are coming to take our jobs uh, well now fourteen year olds are we're setting a table there I was doing this right now but Bob texted in and he said quit paying the people to sit on their duffs and get them out to work and that's one of the answers so instead of making fourteen year olds work uh, kick people off. Welfare, essentially, uh, food stamps, whatever, however you want to put that. Um, you know, we had, I would say, a manipulative piece of leg- not uh, a question, referendum question on the ballot that kind of made it sound like, yes, do that thing. But what what are the effects of that? That was a that was a question essentially. Do uh, able-bodied adults without kids do? Should we force them? Right. You know, right? And to- and I supported that. I mean, I was an outlier outlier within my own political party, in which I very clear. I believe in work. I think work is important. And I think that, uh, you know, it's something that we should encourage everybody to do. But I think we also recognize the fact that there are people that, uh, you know, unfortunately aren't able to. Uh, May they have a disability. May it be a mental or a physical disability uh, that they are not in the workforce. May it be a situation in which they are a caregiver and they are taking care of someone. May it be elderly parents or may it be young well, young children. Well, you talk about child so, care. This is the thing. Like, I mean, was is there a child care thing that was in Evers' budget that, they, do you got, know stripped that out. got stripped out? So um, yeah. the, the idea, because you hear this all the time, a mom and a dad. First of all, when I was a kid, my dad went to work and mom stayed home because mm-hmm. we lived in a world where only one person. And you want to empower women and if women want to work, that's fine. Right. But if, if dad could stay home and mom could go to work that just doesn't exist anymore in today's world but the the other piece of that is now okay dad and mom have to go to work well if if mom goes to work and dad stays home with the kid that's going to but if he gets a job instead the job's only going to end up paying him like three dollars an hour because the rest of the money would go to child care child care costs more than college at this point it does and that and i've written i recently written a wrote a column for the lacrosse Tribune in which i talked about the economics of child care isn't working because you have a situation right now rick in which um it could cost a thousand dollars per month per child uh, up to a thousand dollars per month per child for child care uh, but yet at the same time we do not have enough child care providers in this area we continue to lose child care providers so how can it be how can it be so expensive for parents but at the same time there's not enough money to be made in order to encourage more child care providers to get into quote the business uh, this is an example of where the economics of child care isn't working and so we have to be more creative in what we can do 
uh, when it comes to fixing this child care uh, dilemma. And some of that may be providing tax breaks, and I'll say a tax breaks for uh, businesses to establish child care facilities uh, on site within the business that they have. Uh, other things may be uh, where, you know, we provide um, – uh, cooperative uh, child care where well the school in the county would been it, here in the cross be, had been working on that yeah, uh, and we're seeing situations where no two no two communities are exactly the same and as we know no two families are exactly the, the same the school district has like two or three extra buildings they're trying to get rid of and i i proposed this to the superintendent i'm like why don't you make one of those a child care facility once that because it's already a school right, right. It might be perfect to make a huge child care right. facility um, linking child care and business to me makes me nervous because we've already linked health insurance right. and businesses together. And then if somebody wants to leave for a better job, then, then people, what happens to the child care? Does, yeah. does a child then can't be at that child? Yeah, like Quick Trip has done care. this in town, which is great. Right. Quick Trip can do you know what they want to benefit their their workers. Uh, but if I want to leave Quick Trip, but the child care is so sweet. That now I'm in a job that I hate because I can't take my kid out of the cheap child care that quick. And I don't even know if it's cheaper, but I imagine it would be. No, and that's part of the situation. I mean, this is why this is a very, very serious matter. And, uh, you know, that is why, you know, as a state, you know, what can we do and how do we build partnerships? May it be with other governmental entities, with uh, private industry? What do we do for uh, those in rural areas as well? Um, because, you know, not everybody lives in an urban or suburban area. Yeah, so. I, obviously I talk about lacrosse a lot, but yeah, what happens to somebody that lives, uh, you know, in rural Trempolo? That's right. I mean, when you're you were a farmer growing up, what right. were you? Your parents were. Yeah, my were mom. The my mom was providers? at home. Yeah, my mom was at home, and well, of course my dad. My dad was at was home, home right? too. I mean, um, everyone should just be farmer. Yeah, so and no. again, we had it. I mean, you could see how this has happened, where you know. A hundred years ago, that was a situation. Fifty years ago, but of course, you know, we modernized. But people it. that live in the rural rural area would have to, uh, you know, they got to drive somewhere well, to go to work. Then I, they also have to drive probably somewhere distant to drop their kid off at childcare. This is a real situation every single day. It's happening in Vernon County, Crawford County, here in La Crosse County. I hear about it all the time, where a parent is driving twenty miles one way in order to drop their child off. Then they have to come all the way back through their hometown to go to work yeah. another 20 miles the other direction. I saw this. I mean, it's just. I saw this video. I think it was in Alaska. Right. It, was a, it was a child care bus, mm-hmm. and the bus went and just picked up. But it wasn't children. It was doggy daycare. Mm-hmm. So the doggy Dog- daycare had okay. its own bus, and it went to each of your houses and picked up your dogs. And then the dogs wow. were sitting as the super cute video, <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah. all these dogs are going to doggy daycare. But man, we maybe you know if we had a childcare facility wherever it would be, if it's in the cross. But hey, the bus could go out just like a school bus mm-hmm. and pick up your kid. I don't know about throwing an infant yeah. in a bus. I don't know uh, now, the so logistics the of that. School district but. of Viroqua set up a situation where they actually do have early child early childhood um, you okay. know, education so and right starting at six. You know, all, starting right away. Yeah, uh, early on. But what do you do those first six years, right? Yeah, exactly. What um, do you do early on? All right, Brad Paff sitting in here with us. We got a couple of callers. Caller, who is this? Hello? Uh, this is Sam. Hey, Sam, you got a question for Brad? Sure, I'd like to hear more about the flat tax. Um, you know, when I look at hear about the taxes, and, you know, like I said, the corporations or fat cats don't pay anything, but how they're getting around that is, you know, depreciation on equipment, depreciation on are claiming all the loopholes that, that are out there. I mean, they have a big tax, but they offset it by, you know, claiming whatever loopholes or whatever instructions are out there in a tax code. If we had a flat tax, wouldn't that do away with that? And then just all those 
extra rules go away and and or be thinned out somewhat, and then just everybody pays, you know, whatever it is, twelve percent, because that sure would be a lot less taxes for myself and a lot of other people to pay. I'm sure. Well, I, I thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, uh, for that question and for that suggestion, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that uh, we do need to do tax reform. Uh, I am all for that. I will also admit the fact that uh, you know there are, in addition to the uh, income tax, there's uh, there's corporate taxes, and then on top of that, we do have the depreciation schedules uh, that take place. The bill that's been introduced is an income uh, flat tax for income tax. Uh, so you would continue. Uh, to have uh, those other, you know, deductions and, um, you know, pass-through entities, uh, you would still have that. Here in the state of Wisconsin, we right now have four brackets, tax brackets. So um, those... I got got them right here, I think. Yeah, the highest tax bracket is 7.65%, I believe. And then, um, but the vast majority of the people here in the state of Wisconsin... I believe are paying right around f- in the four yeah, percent bracket. It, it's it's kind of goofy because people call the, the the our tax rate or whatever you want to call it progressive, but it's oh no and now and now the page failed. Good job, but, Google. Um, here it is. Okay, so if you make zero to eight grand, three and a half percent your tax. Rate. This is rough. Uh, eighty five rough rough estimates here. Eighty five hundred to seventeen thousand. You're paying. Um, Three hundred dollars plus four point six five percent. So you're paying three to four point six five. Yeah, well, three hundred dollars on top of uh, four point six five. I don't know okay. where that three hundred dollars comes from. Maybe if you don't, you know, only. Um, but then the third, the third bracket, you're paying five point three percent, right? But it's it's for earnings it goes up between, to one hundred eighty-seven thousand from seventeen thousand dollars to one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. So everybody in that lump is is taxed at the same rate, and then anyone at one hundred eighty-seven, so five point three percent. And then anyone over $187,000 is taxed at 7.65%. So all a flat tax does is bring everyone that's making over 180, it cuts their taxes in half. Anyone that's making over $187,000, because I think the flat tax proposal was like 4.5% or something that's like it, that. Right. right. It's 4.35, I believe. And, and again, I'll be, I'll be, I'll repeat myself. I strongly believe we need to do tax reform. I strongly believe that we need to lower uh, taxes for working families, um, and I've I've had continued to advocate that. I will. It's just that I do not believe that uh, someone who uh, is a corporate CEO should being the sa- should pay the same rate as someone who's uh, uh, driving a Unless semi. Unless that corporate CEO is making a hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> Unless they're making, yeah, that that Good would luck. be correct. Um, and I don't know how many corporate CEOs we have in Wisconsin, but the 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 Evers proposal for a, ta- a tax cut was anyone making under a hundred grand was going to get a tax cut of what te- a temper what was the tax cut? yeah and it's it's not easy to explain is the oh, problem good. but that's absolutely right anyone under a hundred thousand dollars on individual and i believe 150 150 for, couple yeah for a couple uh would receive a, it was 10 percent a 10 percent reduction yeah. on uh, what they currently pay and as you mentioned what they currently pay up to one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars, i right. believe is 5.35 it so there'd be a 10% yep, reduction 5. 3, on that. 5.3%, yeah. yeah. I mean, we could just add 50 brackets to this thing. So 17000 to 20000 should get taxed here and then move, you know, like there's that There's that proposal. But we but. have four brackets right now, and there's talk to moving to this flat tax. To one bracket. To the one bracket. That's the talk. Which also makes it, for anyone that makes, you know, under eight grand, 
that increases their taxes. So what are we doing there? Like you're going to pay more in taxes with a flat tax. Uh, Joe's calling in. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, two things. That last caller, you know, if he wants to pay less income tax on, you know, his profits, then I invite him to come on over with the rest of the business owners and invest that money that you're making back into your business, you know, and then you'll have to pay less taxes. But it's not like they're paying less taxes because they're rich business owners. They're paying less taxes because they're proving that their income is being reinvested back into their business. Second point, I just want to bring this up to Brad. Maybe he's got some more insight on it. But we, we, we complain about, what, $800 million in food stamps in Wisconsin, somewhere around that, that, that mark, right? But yet the U.S. is willing to send all of our steel over to China to be recycled and then filled up to the maximum allowable limit of impurities from you know, they make a lot of heavy metal waste when they make all of the world's electronics, and they're getting tired of dumping that into the rivers and turning them green. So what they're doing is they're adding that into our recycled steel up to the maximum allowable limit and shipping that back to us. Hmm. Two out of the three container ships that they send to us with steel are rejected, and you know that third container ship is just barely making the limit. So hmm. the amount of money that we waste in this country on frivolous ideas that cost us more than anything, and then we complain about a few million dollars in food stamps. Let's get real. Mm. Yeah, thank you for your comments. And Those are two very different yeah, things, too. But, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate his comments, Thanks, and I appreciate you commenting on you know, reinvesting. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, and, uh, again, businesses reinvesting, and that's important. They reinvest in their, in their equipment. They reinvest in uh, their facilities. They reinvest in as far as uh, market uh, development and then continue to reinvest in uh, 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 worker, develop, uh, worker training. I mean, all of that is so very, very important. And, um, you know, we need to make sure, and I'll just say this, we need to make sure that we continue to have an economy that uh, is open for business and, and grows. And I also want to make sure that, uh, you know, those that are making the goods and services, the workers, um, you know, that we have a tax system that uh, uh, reflects the fact that, uh, you know, they, they work hard and they deserve a, they deserve a, a break. And uh, I want to continue to do that. As far as... Um, you know, re- recycling uh, material and bringing that stuff back. Yes, let's. We need to talk more on that. Joe's deep diving there. Yeah, I that think. was that was a good that was a good call. Uh, Mike Mike texted in Brad Brad Brad. Why do young people under eighteen have to pay taxes? They don't get the vote, so taxation without representation. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, that's a. I mean, who is that, Mike? Yeah, Mike. yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, I I, here, I, yeah, I can't the, answer that question. I will reach out to the State Department of Revenue just to learn more on that. That's uh, that's an interesting comment. All right, we'll be back. All right, just going to wrap up here with State Senator Brad Paff. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Brad. Oh, it's an honor. Um, all right, so I, you know we we kind of hit on just like a couple of main things, but some of the some of the stuff that Republicans axe out of the budget. I mean, is that more important, or is the, did we hit on the municipality thing quite a bit? Or not I think really? we're good on that. And let's let's not forget, and we'll see what happens. Even though they took these Republicans took these proposals out of the Evers proposal of the state budget, it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't come back. It's just that they want to bring it back in their fashion. Well, They'll well, write it the way they want to well, see my, it. My issue with all that is uh, 
if we're if we're gonna not put it in the budget, and the budget process takes till like July. Yeah, June thirtieth. So we've been sitting on seven point one billion in budget yes, surplus. I understand it's grown since last January. So January of twenty twenty two. So it's been over well over a year now. Right. We've been sitting on a budget surplus. But now they're going to strip stuff out of the budget and try to pass it on its own, which right. I wouldn't have a problem with. But then do that last year or do that yesterday. Uh, you couldn't do it during an election year because you didn't want to give Governor Evers credit for okay. for something he could sign while his, uh, you know, he might have lost the election. And then Tim Michaels would have been yeah. governor and they could pass right. anything they wanted with their guy. But, okay, now you're not going to put it in the budget. Well, then pass it right now. I know. There seems to be an awful lot of hurry up but yet wait type stuff that's going on. And there also seems to be a, a lot of different, uh, and just slow walking. Um, you know, it's time. I mean, I've been very clear, Rick. I have four priorities in this state budget, four priorities. Number one, I do want to see tax reform. I've made that clear. I want tax reform. I don't support a flat tax, but I support tax reform. Number two, I want to make sure that there's dollars coming back to municipalities in the form of, of fire and police protection. We need to make sure that happens. Uh, the third thing that I've been very clear on, and I had the Secretary of the State Department of Transportation here today, is uh, transportation funding roads and bridges, and we need to make sure that we continue to invest in this airport in lacrosse. All of that is so important. And now, as we learned last week, rail as well. And the fourth thing uh, that I have continuously talked about, and that is the fact that we need to make sure that we have a strong public education system, regardless of where your kid goes to school, may it be a rural school or a school here in the city of La Crosse, you want your child to succeed going forward. So those are my four principles. I will always focus on those four principles. I try not to get caught up in the weeds, but uh, I mean, this is what I continue to hear uh, from the people in this district, and I'll focus on it, uh, keeping our streets uh, safe and, uh, and educating our kids and making sure that we have fewer and fewer potholes. Um, we just got a minute here, but when Mayor Mitch Reynolds was on last month talking about, like, I think Delta or American Airlines yeah, leaving yeah, the Cross Airport, and I was like, well, what if we just sold the airport? Just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, point, I, I know. It's, I know it probably hurt a lot of people in the area. But well, like, I mean, this is. I mean, this is a really a big thing. It really a big thing. And I appreciate the mayor and the chamber of commerce and others that are working to do everything they can because, you know, it, having an airport that has daily flights to and from a major airport like Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Chicago is important for our economy. So important for our economy. Obviously, it's important for travel as well, but it's so important for our economy. And, uh, you know, it's a real, it's, it's, it's disappointing. That's Wisconsin State Senator Brad Path. Thanks for hanging out with the seller. All right, we got to go.